Thank you so much for your housing, Carl and Sue. Thank you for opening up your home to us, for the hospitality that we've been shown. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here in your church. Thank you for the opportunity to choose between decaf and regular coffee this morning. (laughs) Thank you for your welcoming attitude. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for being part of a great family. Thank you for our great God. Thank you for the music this morning that points directly to God. This morning, if we were to be in one of our churches, mission churches in Bolivia, and Mary Sue or I were to say, we'd like to say that the church here in Mobile, Bittenspur, sends greetings. I can guarantee you 100% that I know what the reaction of the Bolivian people would be. (laughs) All the way from the children to the youth to the adults. The action immediately that you would see is that their hands would go up and they would wave. (laughs) It's It's just part of their life. As if people... Brothers and sisters in Christ living 4,400 miles away, if you could just say a straight shot, could actually see their brothers and sisters in Christ on another continent. But do you know, really isn't that true? There's, a, there's a, a, a bond of the Holy Spirit that we have in Jesus Christ. And uh, the Bolivians recognize that that they're part of the family, just as we are. This morning, we're so thankful to know that we serve the Lord in the year of our Lord, 2015. It is a new year, and uh, as we go to the scriptures, we read so much of uh, of the movement of Christianity that has taken place before us, and it really is amazing to think that in this year, we are part of that continuum of the movement of Christianity. It really is quite a challenge when people say, do you realize that the future of the Christian church really is upon your and our shoulders? And uh, if the uh, movement of Christ were to stop for some reason, if the church of the body of Christ were to be fearful and it were to run or to become self-absorbed with what it needs and its own comforts and those types of things, really, what would the church be like in the future? But it's exciting for us to know that just as the Apostle Paul went forth with many other believers in the past, today we're able to go forward as a church, the body of Christ. And we're able to be involved really in an effort to reach others for Jesus Christ locally as well as globally. You have the University of South Alabama. Sometimes other Christians speak to us and we realize maybe there's something that they are realizing that we never thought about. The fact that sometimes there is a global movement which sometimes comes into our own backyard. And therefore, there can be an individual that maybe God is... is wanting to reach uh, in salvation, or there's an individual who he's, who's even searching uh, for what Christianity is about. And sometimes they're very close by. And 
sometimes we realize that is an opportunity that we have. Many times we realize that God has called us to a missionary effort, and the missionary effort really is a cross-cultural missionary effort, but there's also an evangelistic effort that takes place locally. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Chapter 1 and verse 1. Here we read in God's inspired word, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. And to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them which are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. And grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage is a passage that speaks about a church. It speaks about an individual who has been called a brother. There had to have been a faith decision that took place in this man's life for him to be able to be called Paul's brother. This is a passage that speaks about grace and peace. Grace and peace, unmerited, and a peace that passes understanding that's given to us as a gift by God. This passage speaks about those that call upon the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is both their Lord and who is our Lord. I, I just see this, this family of God. I see the church, the body of Christ. Again, as missionaries, we can't but help see the fact that though the Bolivian people are many times shorter than us, their skin is darker than ours, Many times, our brothers and sisters in Christ who live up at the Altiplano, do you realize that in Bolivia, La Paz, the Altiplano, it means the high regions. There is the world's highest capital city that exists in an area that is probably located between 11,500 and 12,000 feet in existence. More than a million people in that area of La Paz and El Alto that's around that region. I'm not just saying that. The president of GMI, Jeremy Clark, went with me. We traveled up there. And he took out his little phone and he looked at this. He says, you're right about that altitude as, as we're trying to catch our hair and our breath just after arriving. That's, that's way up there. And our brothers and sisters in Christ are way up there. I love those people. You, you saw very briefly the pictures. Mary Sue can describe too. It's just... I mean, those, that area, it's cold. And you know, it's interesting for there to be warmth in those churches. They're rugged churches. They'll lay sheepskins down on the benches they have. And they'll take straw and they'll lay it. It kind of becomes somewhat of a, of a, of a, of a barrier, maybe insulation in the church keeps a little bit warmer. And those Bolivians, they have an ability. They just have a talent to work with colors. And here you take a dry, arid region, and those llamas that we've seen pictures of that now exist in the United States of America that are being bred in the States, and alpacas, which are the smaller ones, those exist. You don't see dogs so much and cats, you see llamas. 
But what you see is that the people have an ability to take colors. And that color can just be draped against that region and beyond the background of the Andes snow-capped mountains. And the people themselves are precious people. Here's what's interesting about them. You know, in Bolivia, Spanish is a language that is not the first language of many of the people. Many have had to learn Spanish as their second language. And the people themselves have languages such as Aymara. Others have a language that's called the Quechua. There's Guarani down in the tropical lowland regions of Santa Cruz. That's what several of our pastors speak. That's their first language, but they've all learned Spanish. Up in La Paz, our precious brothers and sisters in Christ have hymnals. And you know what is really interesting? The mission, being in existence from really the mid-50s or late-50s, have had the gift of hymns that have not been indigenous to Bolivia, but have been brought over for missionaries that have served the Lord. And what a surprise it is to be in a church service and they will say, we're going to give special music, and it's a hymn, it's a song, or even a chorus that we've sung in the States. And uh, we think, my, what a gift that is. But the people up in La Paz have the Aymara hymn book, and on the other side, the Spanish. And they sing in Spanish. And they sing, they love to sing. Your music is wonderful here. Your church has talent. It's evident, and you're using that talent for God. They have talent also, and they love to sing, and they love their music, but they'll sing a hymn twice, and they'll sing a chorus, of course, because you have to sing it in Spanish. And then Jeremy Clark, when he was there, and we've had other missionaries and our brothers and team, and we sit back and we hear them sing in Aymara, these hymns to God. and it's, it's just from their heart. It's a blessing, though you can't understand the words. You just know that there's something good that's taken place. I'm amazed. Sometimes we think of evangelism. And sometimes we think that how difficult it is for for God to reach a particular individual. Sometimes all of us know that there's someone that we want to accept Christ or someone that we work with or someone that we want to be a witness to. But it's difficult. It's hard. I had my stint. Of course, Mary Sue shared with you that our background is pastoral background. But I had secular work in between pastorate and going into mission. There was a fellow that I worked with when he heard that he was going to work with a former pastor said, I don't want this. I mean, he didn't want it. I mean, I mean, it's going to cheat. He thought, oh, you know, this everything's... He did not want... That's the, the worst thing of having to work with a pastor in his life. And we work hard, don't we? And sometimes it's not just the words that we say, but it's the testimony that we carry. And it's sometimes the fact that we know that we're being taken down. And there's somebody who's calling in sick, but we're still willing to step into their place and carry the ball, and we don't take them down for it. Do you know what a joy it was when that man actually came with his live-in girlfriend, but to church, came to church, 
You don't know how happy I was when I saw him walk into that church and sit down and be able to hear the Bible and the gospel preached to him and to see a church where there's other Christians. That was joy. That made me happy. That's what life is about. And in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is speaking about a church. He's speaking about an individual by name. Amazing how the Apostle Paul, you know, in Romans chapter 7, I'm just amazed at how many names that he knew and people that he knew by name. And here he speaks about Sosthenes, our brother. Sosthenes. Sosthenes, our brother. That man was important in Paul's life and I believe important in, a ladder, in this church. Let's go to the book of Acts. Let's turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. After nine years of service in Bolivia, uh, I think Mary Sue and I have a little bit more of a heart, maybe not so much an understanding biblically, theologically, and doctrinally of these passages. I have taught and, and I've preached but we have more of a heart for somewhat the missions aspect of this because we know a little bit more about what it means when there's a departing, there's a leaving, there's a going. Acts chapter 18, after these things, after these things. Wow, we know Acts chapter 17, what took place, both good and bad. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and he came to Corinth. He departed from Athens and he came to Corinth. Now remember in Acts in Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, we read about this church that has now been established in Corinth. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and he wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And here we find that, you know, aren't we just living in a mixed up world? We really don't know what's going to take place tomorrow. I know that these situations that are happening in our, in our country in regards to different uh, nationalities, bringing different religions into our uh, country itself. That has been a real eye-opener, something that we haven't had really for the past 20 or, or 30 years. Uh, the fact that the world itself is finding these situations such as took place uh, there in France, uh, extremists, situations like this seem to be popping up here and there. We don't know really what's going to happen. But what we do find here is that we're not the first ones. You found that there was a government there was a ruler, Claudius, probably a dictator, who had expelled those Jews from Rome, and we found that they came from Italy, and so they were abiding here in Corinth. The Apostle Paul goes to this city of Corinth. It's a city where things were happening, where things were moving, and it just so happens that the Apostle Paul, not only was he this great theologian who received these revelations from Jesus Christ, not the disciples, from Jesus Christ, but this man had a skill. And if there's anybody here this morning who is able to do something, you've got a skill that can be used. 
And it just so happened that the Apostle Paul, by virtue of him having to go to Corinth, had to do something. They call it common sense. It's called putting meat, food on the table. You know, meat and potatoes on the table. That's what he had to do. And he came in and he had this occupation. He was a tent maker. And I'm sure in your church you've studied what that occupation entails involved at that time. And we find here that also Priscilla and Aquila are those who invite him in. Now, what I'm seeing here, and one aspect that I like about this, is that we see the team here. Do you know when someone is going to go, when someone is going to depart, and they're going to come? In Paul's case, it was that they departed from Athens and they came to Corinth. In our case, it was that we departed in the year of our Lord, 2006, in January, with three of our children from the shores of the United States of America to go to the heart, the corazón of Bolivia. It was a faith decision. We had to leave and we had to go. And it is not easy. If there's anyone here who's very proud and wants to be humbled, and desires the humility in Philippians to be instantly (laughs) a realization in your life, get involved in missions. If you think that you're able to speak eloquently in English, go somewhere else where they don't speak the language. That'll be real humbling. Go somewhere else where your name means nothing. Go somewhere else where all of a sudden, wow, the sounds and the culture are completely different. You're hearing someone rapping on metal. Bing, 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 ding, ding, ding. And you're wondering, is this an alarm or is this a chime? And you come to realize that was a garafa, which is a propane tank of about 20 size liter. And they're just taking them. (laughs) They're selling them. And they're coming down the neighborhoods and they're banging on them so people that are inside their house can hear the fact that that propane tank is coming by. And you can buy that so you can have it to connect up to your hose. But those sounds and the, and the, and the signs that are completely different and the people and, and you don't know who to trust and you don't know who to believe and you think, oh my, what have I gotten myself into? That's where I needed Mary Sue. She's grown up in this thing where everything that's tipped upside down is normal. And if there's people, when we came to Bolivia, she literally, I'm thinking, wow, that that cultural shock that can become a reality was starting to hit. And she says, this is so good. I feel like I'm at home. That's good to have someone like that. It certainly is. But here we find how admirable that the Apostle Paul was willing to trust his God and not to go just to one place, but to go from city to area to village, I'm sure, preaching the gospel. We find that the synagogues and the marketplace were home to Paul. And he went where the people were, and there was a strategy. And he knew that if the marketplace, oh, in Bolivia, it's called Mercado. Do you know if I go into the Mercado, Alto San Pedro, there's a lot of markets. I can have a gathering of 30 young men who are pushing wheelbarrows. People are buying items. 
These young gentlemen are there, and they have their wheelbarrows ready to go. I go into those mercados, and I ask. And I just set up a situation sometimes, but I'll say, is there a Christian here? I have something. What would my something be? My something is in my pocket here. It's called Nuestro Evangelio. It's our gospel. And this is based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And on the other side is the Romans road, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9, Romans 10.13. And I'll say, is there someone, a Christian here? Because I have something for them. And I'll find out that oftentimes they'll bring a gentleman, an older gentleman, who will come. And then some of these young men will gather around, and I'll be sharing this, and pretty soon you have 30 of them, and you're able to discern who the Christians are and who the Christians are. And at that time, you maybe have 15, 20 minutes, but you've been encouraged, and others have been challenged. See, that just happens in missions. That's a blessing. That's a joy. This card I'm showing you here today, this came from a man who lives in Michigan. He hasn't been a Christian his whole life. He's rugged. He's rough. He's tough, but he's a believer, and he wants others to come to know Christ. This guy can't even read. I mean, I mean, he can read a few words, but he does have the reality of understanding that the Word of God saves. He asked me, he said, I have these cards. This has the Romans road, and it has our gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. He says, could you use some of these in Bolivia, printed in Spanish? I said, sure. I mean, I, I just know that this gives us a thousand of them. And this big box printed in Spanish, ready to go. A few is a thousand? Yeah. Printed by who? Who paid for it? He did. Amen. Who sent it to it? He did. Where's he from? The United States of America. Is he a Christian? Yes, he's a Christian. Is he a member of the church, the body of Christ? He is. Does he understand? Does he have a love for people across the world? He does. This is so precious. Driving along Doble Vio, Grigota, the main avenue where our mission school is located. I'm driving up to a red light. I stop. There's a young man. You know, they wash your windows. They have the water there. And the wind, 17 cents. One Boliviano is basically worth 17 cents. You'll have four guys running out to wash your window to get 17 cents. And... Here's a fellow over here. He says, Padrecito. Padre. I mean, he probably thinks I'm a father. He knows I'm spiritual. I'm a missionary. Padrecito. What? He had my card. He says, Romanos, tres, veintitres, por todo. And I'm hearing him telling Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He's memorized it. <laughs> and I said, keep memorizing. It, it gets better. And we know that, huh? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, listen, this is what I really believe. Paul himself understood the fact that every individual was important to God and that Jesus Christ has died for every individual and it is only by faith, it is only if that gospel is shared, the biblical plan of salvation, that others can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we find here Aquila and Priscilla. They're tent makers. Hey, anybody here who goes to work 
Anybody here who basically from Saturday to Monday is kind of like working out there in a different setting than, than, than normally others uh, are working? I, I mean, is there anybody here who often feels, how in the world, when I'm doing what I have to do, either accounting to corporate or listening to the boss or I'm over here having to work with my hand, that I'm really of any value to Christ? All I can say is this, the Apostle Paul had a skill which he had learned. He knew how to use his hands. He knew what was involved in this. And he had Aquila and Priscilla who were doing the same thing. And they had a godly gift of hospitality. He had a place to stay when he came to Rome. And he stayed with them. We're seeing parallels to what's involved in missions. What's taken place in the past. We're seeing what God has done in the past. We're seeing what God is continuing to do through us today. The church, the body of Christ, is a church that is so needed. The United States church is still needed. God really has blessed us. Of course, it's through a strong work ethic, which we really have received from our descendants, our forefathers before us. We thank God for that. But we have the blessing to get behind our other brothers and sisters in Christ, to pray for them. They are praying for us. Do you know the church in the United States of America is being prayed for by others in other countries? It is. And they love us. And they pray for us. And they are thankful for everything that we've done. But this is 2015. And this is a time for us to continue what has been done and what will be done until the time of the rapture. The Bolivians really wondered why Mary Sue and I were coming back. I mean, why? We, we love it there. We're, we're privileged. We're thankful. It isn't easy. I mean, you can be very fearful. My fellow American named Jacob Ostreicher from New York, a businessman, came to Bolivia. He saw that there could be an investment in the rice fields there in Bolivia. It just so happened that some of the wrong individuals realized that this is a man who is a gentleman, you know, who could be squeezed for some, for some money, and basically they leveled some charges which were untrue against him. They put him in a prison up in La Paz, and they brought him down to Pamasola. It's a prison town city outside of Santa Cruz. He was the only American in that prison at that time, Jacob Ostreicher. I remember seeing on the television and then reading in the newspaper about my fellow American. And some of the prisoners there appreciated him because he now was suffering in a way that they were too, unjustly. They even painted an American flag on the wall and underneath it they gave him a term of respect. It can be a respectful term or disrespectful term. Hugo Chavez used it as a disrespectful term, but they called him Yankee. Okay, he was an American, a fellow American. I saw this, and he said these words, why won't someone come and help me? It just so happened that an actor from the United States of America, whose name is Sean Penn, was up in La Paz, Bolivia. Evo Morales, the president, was recognizing him, 
Within two days of knowing Sean Penn, called him a goodwill ambassador from America to Bolivia, granted him this title, Sean Penn found out about the condition that, that Jacob, or Jacob Ostracker, was going through and got him. He was in a weakened condition. He was contracting Parkinson's disease. And he says, why won't someone help me? And I, they got him over into a clinic called Clinica Incor. Clinica Incor is basically 10 blocks from where we live. And I heard that voice, my fellow American, why won't someone help me? I had to go there. That's kind of scary. You find a police officer sitting here across the street. You're knowing that they're watching license plates. You're knowing that you're standing out. You're an American. They can surmise where you're from. <laughs> and yet I had to go. I went. And I walked past two police officers. And then inside they asked for, it's called your carnet. It's your certificate of identity. It's a card that you have to carry. And I thought, oh, great. They're asking for this now. I lay it down. I'm not going to get it until I, until I leave. They told me where he was. I went up. There was a police officer right across from the hospital room that he was in. And I knocked on the door, and a gentleman who, from his accent, I don't think he would be from Bolivia. He was probably a doctor from Argentina. I asked if Jacob was there. And he said, just a moment. I had to wait. Here came a fellow in a hospital gown, fearful, shaking. He said, who are you? I said, Jacob. I said, I read about you. I said, I'm an American. My family lives in South America. We're living here in Santa Cruz. He said, I thought you were an American. I could tell by your accent. He was so scared. And I went into his room, and I had something for him. I had a little leather football. <laughs> I said, Jacob, and I handed it. I gave him a handoff, put it in his stomach. I said, Jacob, what are you doing? I said, it's football season. And and because and I thought it would be a connection, an American connection. And it was. I saw a little smile on his face. And I was able, I told him, Jacob, I says, I'm a missionary, I'm a pastor. If there's anything, he says, you come, you come again, we'll pray. He said, he's a Jew, we'll pray for, for 30 minutes together. And I left. Do you know that situation was a situation which really, now he, he is back in the United States. His life has been destroyed from what he went through. But those situations... There's a line of fear that oftentimes God says, be of courage, of encouragement. And there's a line of fear that Satan draws in our lives. And the Apostle Paul himself really had to trust his God and to go forth. And these individuals that he knew by name, he knew them by name because he asked them what was their name. And why was their name important? Because they were important to God and they're important to him. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I just say this, that as the church together, we are so needed. We're so called. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep using your talents for God. Work hard. It's difficult. But you're a testimony to others. And we're a testimony. Open your homes. Hospitality to a student. One student. For one holiday. For a Thanksgiving meal, oh, it can make a difference in that student, their family, others. We never know. Praise God. The scripture, as many of you know, as Paul talked about his brother, 
I believe that brother was one who came to know Christ through the sufferings, basically, of Paul. (laughs) But he did come to know Christ. And Paul said, Sothenes, our brother, our brother, another member of the family. Thank you for who you are. Continue to pray for Bolivia. Continue to pray for the pastors and their families. And as already been prayed, pray that God might be using them in this missions movement to reach out uh, to others in their own nine states, but also in the surrounding countries around them. They really are, have been given a privilege by God, and we want to do everything possible to encourage them in that mission. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we truly are members of the church, the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, for the Apostle Paul. Sometimes we consider him as a great theologian. Sometimes we consider him as a Bible teacher. Father, he would not want those accolades. He himself would say, if you call me a tent maker, that's fine with me. If it gives me entrance to the mercado, that's what I want. Father, he knew the names of people. He talked about Sosthenes, our brother. We thank you, Father. This shows us that there was one who came to know Christ and the body of Christ was one person greater. Thank you, Father, that we are part of the church, the body of Christ, exists here in Mobile, exists in Alabama, Michigan, the United States of America, in Latin America, Africa. Thank you, Father, for Asia. Thank you for the church that is seen, for the church that is underground. Thank you, Father, that the church, the body of Christ, is living today and so needed. And Father, thank you again for just this wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship in Jesus Christ, a time of encouragement. Thank you for our salvation, Lord, and thank you for who you are especially. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. Heavenly Father, our, our, our hearts are just so happy and joyful. And Father, as we think of this moment now, we can just almost picture thousands of years ago, Lord, where those that were called forth to go to places perhaps even unknown to them, and yet they were being called by God. And Father, we just thank you so much for this faith decision that is being made at this time. Thank you for Kevin. Thank you for Scarlett. Lord, already it's evident that we've seen that they've been given talent that can be used. In missions, Father, there's an awareness that there are other countries outside of the United States where there are people who love the Lord and there are many others who don't know Jesus Christ. 
Father, we thank you that there is the church, the body of Christ, that can pray, that can give, that can love, that can be of eternal encouragement. Father, we thank you, really for this moment, Lord, that before all of us, we sense again how good you are, and your calling is true, and it, it just is a blessing for us, Lord, to see this time and, and just to know that again, Father, you're calling us to, to, a, to a great movement in missions. Give guidance, Father, and wisdom and preparation, and may the difficulties and the trials and the times of questioning be turned into those times, Lord. When you give the answers, they will praise you, they'll thank you, and they'll say again, Father, you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, for this. And we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.